Hey guys, Hello Bass back with another podcast. This week is a unique episode where this is another one of those swap casts. So I went on the Make Fish Famous podcast with Doug Glimmerveen, and we talked all about jigs uh, for bass. So Jigs 101, we got into it probably a little deeper than one-on-one, but I think it's a pretty good episode. I re-listened to it, uh, and we covered a lot of water, or lever ground, a lot of water, uh, Lots of great topics, why jigs, when jigs, what you need, rods, reels, the whole nine yards. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, if you like the sounds of this, you can go check out Doug's podcast, uh, search Make Fish Famous, or you can look at the links in the description of this podcast. Uh, you can also check out his other podcast, the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. So if you're looking for more content, go and check some of Doug's podcasts. Otherwise, enjoy the episode, and we're here to help you suck less at fishing jigs. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Ice Hole Power and their lineup of battery-powered boxes. Why do you need a battery-powered box? Well, are you tired of running out of cell phone battery and then having to go back to the car or whatever? Well, you can charge your cell phone from a bad mofo box, a deluxe box, or a yak and shack box. Do you, speaking of kayaks, do you have a kayak? Do you go fishing? Well, guess what? You can bring this thing with you, and it's water resistant. So if it dumps into the lake, you just pull it out, and boom, there you go. It floats. But it's got you. They've all these boxes. They've got USBs. Uh, they got twelve volt. You know the cigarette lighter type style plug-ins um a couple of them they've got the red and black little tower looking thing so you can like put your little lights in there for your ice house or your tents or whatever these are not just because the name is ice hole power this is not just for ice fishing camping backyard in the boat i use mine now in the boat to charge my gopro and it it keeps it going all day long i just hit record let it run the only problem is then i got to look at eight hours of footage but i digress these things will keep your stuff going all day long. They've got lithium phosphate batteries, which are the good ones. Do not be fooled. There are a lot of lithium batteries, but lithium phosphate, that is the one that you want. It has the most power. It's the friendliest to use and to keep running and all that stuff. They've got them here on the website, too. Um, the Bad Mofo, my favorite, the one that I have, has two speakers that you can hook up to your phone via Bluetooth so you can crank the jams. That's right, crank the jams while you are uh, doing whatever. I hang out in the garage and listen to music or podcasts while I'm hanging out in the garage. But check them out. Iceholepower.com is the website. They are on Facebook. They are on Instagram. They are on YouTube. And, yeah, if you spend $75 or more, and you want 10% off of that $75 or more purchase, SmackDown2020 is the discount code. That's right. And that'll get you 10% off when you spend $75 or more at isolepower.com. Welcome to the Make Fish Famous Podcast. I am your host, Doug Glimmerveen, and I am going to bring you short, easy tips, tricks, and tactics to help you catch more fish and then make them famous when you share your favorite pictures and videos to all your social media profiles. So grab that pen and paper and learn how to make fish famous.
Welcome back to another episode of the Make Fish Famous podcast. Today we are talking with Rich Lindgren, a.k.a. AKA Hellabass on YouTube. And uh, we're going to be talking about the basics of jigging for bass. And Rich, before we get to that, take a minute or two and just kind of give people, you know, the uh, who you are kind of deal. Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, Rich Lindgren, go by Halabass on YouTube, Instagram, most social media platforms, whatever whatever your choice of social media is. Um, I've been fishing ever since I can remember. My uh, my dad got me in tournament fishing. He used to fish in a bass club. So about this, uh, I don't know, knee high to a grasshopper, I've been fishing and got into fishing small tournaments and club stuff in my early teens. Um, been doing it for you know close to thirty years now. Um, you know, live in the Minneapolis, Lakeville area in Minnesota, uh, fish a lot of tournaments around here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. I've also traveled and fished some tournaments across the country. So that's kind of my background. Uh, I do love a jig. That's one of my, uh, my go-to techniques. So, uh, if I go a little too deep or too, uh, too in-depth, we can, uh, you reel me in and then we'll, we'll save that for the kind of the, the jig 2.0. Right. Right. So at least I picked the right, uh, the right ep- type of bait to, to bring you in for the jig. I didn't even know it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love a jig. And, uh, and I, you know, there was a time that, uh, jigs were intimidating to me and I preferred a Texas rig and there was like a mental part of that. And I think we'll talk about that and, and discuss that's a big thing for a lot of people when they get into jig fishing is getting over that barrier. I think in the confidence. Yes. Yeah. For me, it was two years ago. I talked to Nelly at Thorn brothers and I go, Hey, you know, can you, can we go fishing and can, I just want to throw jigs and jigs and also offshore. Like I want to get away from where you can see the bottom and we went out and he kind of showed me the ropes and next thing you know i it's i love flipping a jig you know it's it's cool i mean that's part of the cool factor too when you're bass fishing is flipping and pitching jigs and making it look all fancy and stuff and and yeah i was able to get over that hump so it's it's definitely makes you feel uh, legitimate and official when you start catching them on a jig. You feel like a real bass fisherman. Exactly. <laughs> Before that, all you're doing is uh, throwing around the quote unquote fairy one with the Texas rigged uh, Sankos, and <laughs> once you graduate to a jig, you're you're officially a bass fisherman. Then you feel like you're uh, Denny Brower and uh, Tommy Biffle combined. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. All right. So. When we're talking jigs, we're just going to keep it basic for everybody. We're not going to get into the swim jigs, the finesse jigs, the, you know, football jigs and all that stuff. We're just going to talk basically, it doesn't really, they're kind of all similar. You can kind of all use them to flip and pitch. But for for today, we're just basically talking about your round ball head jig, flipping, pitching, shallow water stuff. Uh, why a jig? Like, what is it imitating? Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, just maybe back up a half step before I get that. So, I would say... The most common style jigs are probably not a ball jig. It's for bass. You're typically, you're probably an arky head, which is kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of a not round. It's not flat. It's not a ball. It's just kind of a hybrid shaped jig. That's the most common. Uh, it's uh, kind of a flattened football almost. That's your kind of most common. Uh, that's really good around just about, that's a real general. It's decent in grass. It's good in wood. It's good around docks. It does okay in uh, rocks and things like that. So an arky jig. Uh, style jig a flipping jig is going to be your most basic style or maybe like a what i would call a cone or a a style jig that uh, can do that as well and go through grass but like you said there's a million types of jigs and if you really get into it and you love jigs you can explore all those Um, but a basic jig will do most of those things so yeah why a jig for me it comes down to two basic things one is that a jig in general has propensity 
to get bigger bites. It will, over time, overall your catches will help you get some better than average fish. Uh, so if you like catching big fish and that, uh, that's good. If you, if you fish any kind of competitiveness, it's nice to be able to have that in your quiver or your toolbox to be able to, uh, make that adjustment. But probably the thing that most people don't understand is I think it's the efficiency of a jig. Um, <clears throat> if you think about it, we all actually suck pretty bad at bass fishing. And that's one of the things I say in my videos and stuff is like, I'm here to help you catch more bass and suck less. Uh, even Kevin, even Kevin Van Dam probably only catches like, a fish on one, two, three percent of his casts, right? And like, uh, if you're new to fishing, you're probably only catching a fish every few hundred casts. So anything you can do to make more presentations or make the presentations you make a little more efficient, even just raise that up by a half a percent, by a percent, is going to make you like an unbelievably better at fishing and, and basically help you suck less, if that makes sense. So it's the little things that take you from being uh, a poor fisherman to a decent fisherman to a good fisherman to an excellent fisherman, you know, outside of the, it's just those, it, you know, uh, once you get the basics of casting down and once you learn how to find fish, it's the, the small things that just kind of ramp it up, if that makes sense. So why is a jig more efficient? Uh, if you ever have fished a Texas rig or a wacky rig or a Senko or a, a tube or a craw, you know that when you're like pulling it through the weeds, when you're pulling it through the wood, when you catch a fish, when a bluegill pulls on it, it's constantly pulling your bait down. You're fixing your bait, right? You're, you're rehooking it. You're fixing it. You're re-rigging a lot. Like if you really think about this and it's, it's, it's not a big deal when you're catching fish, right? Cause that's all right. I caught one. I re-rig, but when you're not like, just like working it and it's falling down. Um, but just think that all that time you spend all day re-rigging is times you could be making presentations, quality presentations to the fish. And that's the kind of stuff that will increase your percentages uh, of catching fish. So, and why is that a jig? Typically you're hooking uh, a plastic or a chunk or uh, like through it and just hanging it on the jig or you're threading it on in both of those cases, it's a more durable rigging method. Oftentimes you don't spend much time re-rigging. You might catch five plus fish before you have to touch your trailer. You can rip it through the grass a whole lot more before you have to fix it. So as a tournament angler, if I can get them to eat a jig instead of a Senko, instead of a Texas rig, um, I'm going to make more presentations and over the several thousand casts of a day, I might get that one or two better quality bites that gives me the difference to, you know, put me on top or move me up into check range or something like that. Um, and it's just like over, a, like over a wacky Senko, which is an absolute amazing fish catcher when it's tough, that's a great thing to do when the fish are biting, it's super slow, right? It's tedious to throw a weightless Senko. If you can get them to eat a jig and you can cast it, gets down to the bottom, you pump it a couple times, they smoke it, or you, you move on, you can make a lot more presentations. So when the fish are eating, you want to throw a jig because you're going to get more casts in, you're going to cover more water, you're going to catch more fish. So those are the two big reasons on why a jig can shine. It's not all the time, but those are the two main reasons when a jig can excel or why you'd want to do a jig over a soft plastic, which is its main kind of competitor adversary or alternative uh would be a, a texas rig or some kind of soft plastic or a carolina rig right what what is a what is a jig mimicking as far as bait like a bait you know like crankbaits or bait fish well what what are you know senkos and worms or worms or leeches or whatever what's a jig imitate in the water yeah it can be really anything honestly um you even like we so we're not going to talk about swim jigs but you can swim a regular jig so it can look like a bluegill 
uh, it can look like a craw. That's probably the two predominant um, forge that, but I mean, if you put a little orange in there, it can look like a perch. Uh, I mean, like anything that any bait fish, any, uh, any craw, it could look like a, a, you know, any kind of, I mean, there's a lot of things in the water. I don't think we know like little lizards and little bugs and little, there's all kinds of things that fish are eating that we don't really think about because we don't see them all the time, but it's the right size, a profile. It looks like something the fish would eat. And a lot of times fish aren't always feeding out of cure out of hunger. They're they'll put it in their mouth because they're curious or they're reacting to it. Um, they don't have hands. They can't tuck it under their pectoral fin. So if you feel a bite, it's probably in their mouth. I mean, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. So, I mean, jigs are, so basically jigs are extremely versatile. If it's a, if they're going after bait fish, you can mimic a bait fish. If they're going after craw, you can mimic a craw. So it's not just uh, you know, uh, a real specific they're either after this or they're after this you can depending on what you're putting on it what colors it is how you're moving it it's extremely versatile so that's why it's so popular i'm guessing 100 percent. yeah and you and it's uh it, it goes into cover well it comes out of cover well uh it has a high hookup percentages like the hook is mostly exposed so if you think about like when you're texas rigging a tube or a creature versus a jig you know if you set the hook on that a jig you're probably going to hook up eight out of 10 times where you may only hook up six or seven out of 10 times on a Texas rig or something like that. Um, so your, your landing percentage goes up, your hooking percentage goes up. That's another part of the efficiency thing, but yeah, size, color, and how you retrieve it really dictates, you know, what your forage you're, you're mimicking or what, what you're trying to do with that jig. And you can fish it literally from like six inches to a foot of water down to as deep as you want to go, uh, with a jig. <clears throat> Whereas like a, a weightless Senko would be a long time to hit the bottom in 20 feet of water. <laughs> uh, I've done that and I've caught fish, but yeah, it, it takes a long time. And I've taken oh, a jig boy. and, oh, we got dogs in the background. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's chaos. Um, I've taken a jig and thrown it up on the beach or up on the rocks and dragged it back. So, you know, into the water. And so, yeah, I get it. Um, speaking of size, what is a good starter size for a jig how how heavy are we are we talking three eighths quarter ounce heavier i'd say three eighths and half are going to get it done for you like the that's the two size jigs i throw 80 plus percent of the time uh i rarely go lighter than a three eighths there are some applications and you know if i'm throwing a finesse jig or something like that um and then heavier than a half is only if i'm in really heavy grass or i'm fishing super deep so for three eighths and half keep it simple honestly colors right Get yourself some uh, something that's black or black and blue and get something that's green pumpkin or brown. Get something real natural and something that's dark and catch some fish on it. Then you can get crazy if you fall in love with it. But, you know, you go go get three or four half ounce black, you know, you know, get two green pumpkin and two black and blue and three eighths and half. You get four jigs and try it. Uh, that's all you really need. You can get crazy and learn a lot more, but that will that's the perfect starter kit. Yeah, I've got I've got black and blue. I've got green or brown. They're kind of a mixture of green and brown. The ones I got, and then I've got white because I found one lake where white works really really good. But yeah, start out black and blue, green pumpkin, brown, whatever. Don't go crazy. <laughs> you don't need to get forty five different colors to start out with. Yeah, and, and there could be some variations. If you think one looks good, you see one with a little blue in it, or a little purple, or a little green in your green pumpkin, and you like it, and it gives you confidence. Pick that one. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, that's the thing with with any color crankbaits or any color baits, they're kind of more for the fishermen than they are the fish most of the time. 
Yeah, to some degree. And the nice thing about a jig is you can get a couple of basic jig patterns and you probably already have a bunch of soft plastics. If you're thinking about trying jigs, you probably have some craws, you probably already have some grubs, you probably have whatever. You can put just about anything on the back of it. You can put a signal on the back of it um, and you can mix up your colors with your trailer. So you can keep your jigs and their skirts very basic and then you can kind of tweak it with your trailer. You can go a little lighter, you can do contrast and you can do matching. You can dip the tails and dye in blue, you know, chartreuse or, or, or orange. Um, you can put, you know, uh, an orange crop. I mean, like you can really do all the customization with the plastics you probably already have. Yep. What are your top two trailers? Just to keep it simple, top two trailers. So I would say get something that is fairly subtle, like a striking rage menace scrub or a speed crab by zoom. Those are kind of small compact they have little kicking swimming legs on them um <clears throat> those are good uh all around um <clears throat> they're not going to move a ton of water but they move enough water to do what you need and they're good whether you're swimming it or jigging it or dragging it and then go something a little bigger and louder like a chigger craw or a spicy beaver or a pocket craw something that's got more of a flapping like a harder kick so uh, that way <clears throat> if you've got some dirtier water or some thicker weeds or you just want or overcast or, or whatever, where you feel like you want to get the fish's attention. You want more drawing power. You throw the half ounce, let's say with the bigger trailer. And then, uh, if they feel like the water's super clear, you got bright skies, it's high pressure. You feel like the bite's a little tough um, or you're fishing for a smaller fish or whatever it may be. Then you downsize to that speed crop or that rage menace on a three eights. Those two basic things will cover you most of the time. And with the and with the craws, people take the craws and separate them because most of the time they come stuck together. So take the little tail flaps or whatever they want to call it, pinchers, you know that, and separate them. <laughs> I forget to do that sometimes. I mean, if if you're in cold water or you want a more subtle, you can leave them attached, and then you'll get more of a gliding versus a kicking. So that would be like throwing a just a basic zoom chunk or a beaver without the tail separated, you'll get more of a glide instead of a, <clears throat> a swimming or kicking action. So that is an application. You can do that. Um, so it's some experiment. There's no wrong way, honestly, to, to rig it. <clears throat> right. Right. And this is one. And, and we've already talked about doing a second episode because there's so much to cover just in a jig that it's ridiculous. Let's maybe talk about what is a real bass jig like? Cause like you may be, know a ton about walleye jigs if you're or something like that so a bass jig is going to have typically a lead or a tungsten head <clears throat> most of them are going to be lead and then there's a line tie which can be vertical or horizontal don't get too hung up on that yet <clears throat> we, we'll save that for for jigs 2.0 but there's going to be a, a a weed guard which is a several i want to say like 12 to 15 little plastic or nylon bristles coming out of the head that basically cover the hook and that's going to allow you to fish it around cover. So that's something that's different than like a typical walleye jig or something like that, where it's typically just going to be a head with a hook. A bass jig is going to have a head, a hook. It's usually going to have a skirt on it, and then it's going to have a weed guard on it. And that's so you can get it in around cover. You know, uh, Not that walleyes don't get in the weeds and the walleyes don't get in cover, but bass tend to spend more time in cover than other fish. And that's why a bass jig has a, a weed guard on it. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we'll have rattles. doesn't really matter. That's your preference. Uh, but just that's the basics of a, a bass jig. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, you know, all terrain, outcast, bass tech, uh, dirty jigs. There's tons of good, it's hard to go wrong. <clears throat> find one that has, uh, you'll find they have different size hooks. Some of them will have really strong, heavy hooks. Some of them will have lighter hooks. 
uh, I would say <clears throat> the biggest thing there is just match it to your tackle. If you're going to throw this on a lighter bait cast or a spinning rod with 10 to 12 pound test, you're going to want a jig that's got a little bit of a finer wire hook. Um, if you like to throw them on braid or 20 pound fluoro on a seven foot medium heavy or heavy bait caster, that type of stuff, then find a jig that's got a hook that looks stout, strong. You pick it up, you can you, you pull on it, you can't really flex it much. Uh, so just match it to the gear so that when you, <clears throat> right, if you have a, a really heavy hook with really light rod and light tackle, you're going to have a hard time sticking them. You're going to get the fish on, you're going to get a couple cranks, they're going to open their mouth and go, oh man, what happened? Um, and the flip side, if you fish a light wire hook with 65 pound braid and a flipping stick, you're going to set the hook and you're going to open up that hook and then you're going to lose them the other way. So just make sure you're matching what you're doing. Just, you know, flip it over, look under that skirt, say, is that a light hook or heavy hook? Um, and then just, uh, match it up to the gear. Right on. Well, that was actually what we we're going to get into next is the rods and the reels and, and the line and everything. But I think we just got really more complicated than even I thought we were going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so if we are looking at a you know let's let's try to get as basic as we can i mean typically are we looking at a bait caster for for jigging i think that's the better route you definitely can fish it on a spinning rod um you probably want something that's at least a medium heavy whether it's a spinning rod or a bait caster um you want something that has a tip for sensitivity and casting but you want to have a fairly strong midsection and backbone uh because Jigs normally, uh, the jigs we're talking about have a reasonably strong hook in them. So you do have to have a little bit of force to punch that through. Um, <clears throat> you can probably counteract some of that. You could probably use a slightly lighter rod if you're going to fish it on braid. That'll overcome. So if you're just new to fishing, you only have one or two rods, you're not really looking out to buy a jig rod. So you want to counteract that. Just go ahead and put some maybe like 30 pound braid on your rod, <clears throat> and that'll allow you to. Uh, fish most things like honestly like a medium action spinning rod with 30 pound braid will do a lot of things so if you're like really new to fishing and you just want to get into bass fishing uh six and a half to seven foot medium action spinning rod with a decent sized spinning reel put yourself some 30 pound braid on it and you can do a ton of things that that, that no stretch line will overcome and let you do a lot more things uh than like 10 pound mono wood or something like that so that that's just if you're getting new into fishing jigs or not jigs that's a really good setup um but if you really want to dedicate to jigs my personal preference is a seven foot to a seven foot four seven foot five bait casting rod something on the verge of heavy more heavy than medium heavy um i like to fish mine on mostly 17 to, or like say 15 to 20 pound fluorocarbon that's my normal some guys like braid sometimes like braid to floral leaders but basic i like <clears throat> i like the feel and it's a personal preference thing um, I really like the feel of just straight floral. Now, are you are you able to to get through the weeds and get through the the cover? And uh, are you worried about abrasion or anything with the, with floral versus a braid? I really don't. I mean, you definitely have to retie and check it and and things like that. But I mean, I I, I don't know. That's my go to, and I I fish. You know, open water, deep, fifteen pound. When I start to go shallow, I'm going seventeen to twenty. So, and then it just depends on. Uh, like I'll typically have like a little bit bigger rod, a 20 pound with a half ounce jig. I'll have a little bit uh, lighter rod with 17 pound with three eighths. And then uh, I'll have an open water jig rod with like 15 pound on it that I'll flip between like a casting jig and a football jig. So, I mean, I'm really into jigs. So I'm going to have usually two or three rods rigged up with jigs, but you don't need to do that. 
you can probably just get by with 15 to 17 pound floral, buy a decent floral, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, there's some decent florals out there uh, that aren't super expensive. Seaguar Red Label, Sunline Assassin, uh, some of the P-Line stuff, um, you know, don't go super cheap, but don't, you don't need necessarily need the, the $50 spool, you know, uh, fluorocarbon either. I mean, just retie after you catch a few fish, check your line often. If you feel nicks and abrasion, retie it. And uh, it's pretty strong. So like right now I typically throw like 30 pound power pro when I'm jigging. So what you're saying is, is, is there a benefit to what, like, why would I want to go down to fluoro and that lighter, that lighter line? Sure. Um, uh, kind of get a little technical. Uh, <laughs> so why, why do I like fluoro? Because it does have a little stretch. I like the way it manages on my spool when I'm, casting and skipping and around cover with a bait caster so i'm i skip a lot of jigs under trees and under boat docks and things and i use a bait caster if you're new to jig fishing and you're skipping around docks you're probably going to want to start with a spinning rod um you're going to probably have a lot of headaches trying to skip with a bait caster right out of the gate but i think to me uh, fluorocarbon pushes the jig when you're casting it uh and skipping it i like the feel of it i'm I just that's what i've gotten used to um not saying you can't do it with braid. Uh, one thing is like floral is a little more forgiving. I think when you're trying to work over stuff, hardcover, whether it's rocks or wood or chains or tires, you tend to can kind of, kind of feel it and you can kind of finesse it, wiggle it, work it over. Braid has a, a tendency to like just pull in and just drive that hook or just wedge in there super fast. And then like a lot of times you can snap your line or snap your rod to free a snag. And I feel that with braid, that's really hard to do because there's no stretch. Um, another reason is as much as you can feel on a tight line with braid, uh, the fish can feel that too. So if you're like a lot of times when you're fishing worms and jigs, a lot of times I like to kind of pull up and ease up on that fish and feel them and feel them swimming. To me, I feel like with braid, when I put that pressure on them, there's, it's, it's a more direct connection. There's not a lot of give. Um, so I feel like that sometimes you can lift on that fish and that fish is going to spit it. Not all the time, but it's just something to be cognizant of. And and like if you're going to use braid, um, like you probably want to use like a slightly, and it all depends on the hook and the setup. But sometimes you're going to want to use a slightly lighter rod and let the tip do more of that work than maybe I do with my rod and letting the line be some of that stretch. So, um, I mean, and then there's the the, the argument on you know visibility of line. Uh, some people say fluorocarbon is, you know, less visible. It might get you more bites uh, in super clear water. That that may may not be true. But then braid is a much smaller diameter. So I think it really comes down to personal personal preference and uh, confidence for you and what you like and what works for you. There is no hundred percent right or wrong answer when it comes to line selection. Uh, braid will snap through the grass better. It will cut through the grass, so that is one advantage. Um, and, and, and as long as you get a good braid, this isn't much of an option. I know some of the older braids back in the day, and that's maybe partly why I'm gun shy, is they used to not do really good when you'd snap set. If you snapped your hook really hard and like just jerked really hard, that that like snap, like when you hook up to a car and you just like you don't ease into it and build that pressure where you just like pop it, like sometimes you'll pop a bumper or you'll pop the snap or the, right, the, the chain or the tow cable. Older braids were very susceptible to, to popping on the, a snapped hook set. Um, so on short line, I'm a little worried of that. And, the, and you have to adjust your hook set, right? Like once you get where you want to be, um, 
it's hard to switch. Like, cause I really set hard with fluorocarbon cause I know I've got stretch in my line. If I'm setting that hard, uh, on a short hook set with braid, um, you know, I'm probably going to straighten a hook. I'm going to do the rod could break the, uh, like the, the fish, you tear a fish, a much bigger hole in the fish's mouth and then they get some slack and they fall off. So it's all about really finding that system that works for you and then just becoming comfortable with that. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I'm trying to do myself is to kind of get a little more technical with my lines, with my hooks and, and the type of rods and reels I'm using and all that stuff too. So, you know, it's always been just take a bait caster, a bunch of, you know, a medium, heavy, fast action, 30 pound, throw a jig out there, get a bite and pull. <laughs> and I can say, if you, if you only have a limited number of rod and reels, braid is a good option because it allows you to do a lot more things. You can always throw a floral or a mono leader on that, um, you know, a three to six foot leader. Um, and that will give you the visibility that will give you some of that abrasion resistance. Um, you know, sometimes braid around rocks cuts really easy. Um, so it depends on some of the, but if you get good at tarring, tying some of those leader knots and you're confident in them, that gives you more flexibility. You can always tie a shock leader on, uh, on that braid. Um, so that's something you can dabble with as well. Um, okay. Real quick, what kind of uh, what kind of knot do you use to connect two lines together? Yeah, I'm weird. I, I use one called a Yucatan knot, <laughs> which okay. Uh, now this is a whole new knot I've never <laughs> heard of. Oh Jesus Christ! And, uh, and it's pretty good, <laughs> but I don't like it for. I would never use it for like jig fishing because uh, it's not good on a shock hook set. It's it's fine for my spinning rods. It's fine for my topwaters and reaction baits and like swim baits and, and spinning rod stuff where I'm getting more of a sweep set, short line and fast hook sets. It doesn't hold up. <clears throat> so. I definitely would say you need to learn how to tie like the RP knot or the, uh, the Alberto knot or the improved Alberto or crazy Alberto. If you're going <clears> to <throat> do that short line, uh, hard hook sets with braid to floral, cause you're going to need a really good knot for that. Um, what, what are we using for a two? This is kind of a two part question here. Baycaster reels. Do you want a, like a 100 size or a 200 size and then two, what gear ratio are you working with? Or does the, does the spool size even matter? Um, so, so I would say size of the reel, personal preference, what feels comfortable in your hand. Um, a lot of people like, uh, the hundred cause it's lighter. It fits in their hand better. Uh, unless you're doing a lot of deep fishing where you're making super long casts, where you ever really challenge the capacity of a 100 size reel. Um, some people like the 200 cause that's a little bigger handle. Uh, so if you're fishing heavy jigs and milfoil or on docks, you might just like that, that feel of it. Like being, I mean, you're going to fish in a little bigger rod, you know, you might like that power that little bigger reel gives you, but personal preference, uh, that's not a, a big deal. Uh, gear ratio. I do think you want to be, I think seven to one is a really good jig reel, like uh, right around that 7.1 to one. You can drop down to that six, three, six, five, if you want. Uh, I mean, that'll do the job. You don't need to go out and buy a special reel. Uh, I definitely wouldn't go lower than six. I think uh, like a five to one or a 5.5 to one, you'll feel that's really slow. You can't, won't catch up to fish. You won't like that. that that's, that's definitely getting too slow. You could go up to an eight to one. Uh, I do do some eight or, uh, do use some eight to ones on like my dock rods and things like that. So I, I, I tend to go a little faster on a jig rod. Um, so I, I would say seven to one, to eight to one, but even like a six, five to one would be fine. And I think you don't want to avoid like the super burners, like the rockets, the nine, the tens at that point, I think you're going to lose that power you want for when you hook it on short line and winching it in 
um, you're just going to feel that you're going to struggle to move that fish. I think once you get over eight. Yeah. Is that the gearing itself and the size of the gearing inside that you lose power or is it what it's made? I, I keep hearing this. It's, you the, know, it's I, the, it's the, it's just like, uh, right. Like that's why your car shifts, right? That's why you start out in one to get going. And then you at high speeds, you, you shift to a higher gear. It's the same thing. So if you always, you only, you're not shifting gears. So you're starting out a high gear. So if you started in overdrive, uh, from park, your truck would struggle to get going. Right. Um, same, same kind of principle, same thing as like, if you're riding a bike, you wouldn't try to go up a hill in high gear, right? That'd be really painful on your legs. It's the same thing. Um, you just don't have the opportunity to shift in a, in a, in a reel. Um, and it's really like, that's the best, uh, description of that I've heard yet. I like, I've asked people and they go, well, you get more power for the lower of the gear. And I go, why? Well, you just do. <laughs> right. I, just, I think that like the bike analogy is probably the easiest one for people to understand. Right. So like, just like you, you go when you have a kid, like, uh, you know, when, when you only have a, when you start out riding bike, you have a, a, a bike that has one gear, right? <laughs> so you kind of know like, oh yeah, like that's, it's tough, right? So you want that, you, that's what your reels are. They're kind of like your, your old bike. Um, and then, it, you know, gear ratio is an indicator, but what you really, like if you really want to get technical, a, a reel or a spec sheet will tell you how many inches of line you're taking in per turn of the handle. Um, so most of these higher speed reels, you're going to be in the mid to upper twenties up to about, you know, 30 that is inches per line turn. And that's about as much as you want to go before you probably start losing power on some of this stuff. So, um, and then, yeah, I know that's, that's big in the musky world is the whole inches to, to right, line, right. you know, to crank, especially when they want to start burning, burning these, you know, certain times a year, you want to get that bait moving as fast as you can. Well, you're either going to wear your arm out, crank, 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 or you just get one that brings in a whole lot of line with right. each crank. And when you're fishing jigs, most of the time, we'll probably talk about this, but you're, you're typically dragging or crawling a jig. So you're typically just moving the jig with your rod and then you're picking up your line with the reel. So it doesn't really come into play until you hook the fish. Um, and that's when typically you want a higher speed <clears throat> reel because when you hook a fish, you're typically shallow or you're on cover and you want to be able to keep contact with them. So that's where that high speed, so you can take up any line if they're coming towards you. And then there's a lot of like repeated casts, short casts, pitching, things like that in jig fishing. So if you're trying to reel in with a five to one, that's a lot of, that's the, that's the efficiency thing. You're wasting a lot of time taking that line and you want to be able to like bring it in, get back out there, bring it in, get back out there. All right, so we've we've kind of covered the bait, the rods, the reels, the lines, all that good stuff. Now, how are you like? I don't want I, like presenting the bait. I mean, there's tons of different ways to do it in jig fishing. This isn't kind of like, you know, walleye jig fishing where you can either drag it or literally jig it or cast it or whatever. Um, in open water, I mean, you're flipping around docks and trees and stuff like that so it's short cast and with a bait caster it's practice 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 and then there's like 14 different ways to throw a bait caster too <laughs> with a jig <laughs> all the different underhands and backhands and skips and all this stuff too so i would i would say kind of what what is one main like if somebody's starting out to the the just the basic flip do you have any words of advice for, for people just trying to get that basic flip down after we'll say we, we had, they had a, you know, they got their rod, they got the reel and everything at a bait shop. They got them all set up. They got it dialed in. So they're not, they should get as little backlash as possible. Just how to make easier flips and pitches. Sure. 
So and obviously you can like you can cast a jig, you can flip a jig, you can put, you can do all kinds of things with a jig. Um, so one thing is you don't need to be on the water to practice casting and flipping a jig. I stand on my front I stand on my front porch all the time, and I'll have my neighbors yelling out at me across the street. You catch anything yet? All the time. Yep. There's plenty of targets. There's 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 wheels. There's stumps. There's corners of the garden. There's potted plants. There's all kinds of stuff to pitch to in your backyard. Um, you can stand on usually like a step or it's like getting up one or two steps or standing on a curb or something like that. Give yourself a little height. So you feel like you're in a boat, like you're typically a couple feet above the water in a boat. So if you're going to practice in your yard, um, that's a good way to, to, uh, learn good habits for the water. Um, flipping and pitching is much more in the wrist than it is in the arm. When I see people starting, I see way too much. You can't see what I'm doing, but way too much arm movement. It's, it's more in the wrist. It's just a little roll. It's a little flip. You think about what you're doing. It's all in the wrist. Um, so you hold your line typically when you're starting in your offhand, uh, and then you're just kind of pendling it, let the rod, let the weight of the lure do the work and just impart a little extra with your wrist and start close. And as you get comfortable and proficient and accurate, just start increasing a couple feet at a time and the distance will come. Um, actually practicing inside, um, in eight foot ceilings is actually a good way to get good form because it makes you not flail your tip of your rod way up in the air. It makes you keep the tip of the rod down. It makes you use your wrist. If you, if you're outside, it's easy to get your arm going up and down and getting that rod tip eight, 10, 12 feet in the water, like doing all kinds of crazy things. Practicing inside an eight to nine foot ceiling will actually give you the proper motion quicker. You might scratch the ceiling a few times while you're learning, but that is a good way to learn the proper motions. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you look at these guys, you know, on the pro tour, and I'm sure you're probably pretty similar. They don't move a whole lot when they're doing this. I mean, it's their arms are tucked in and it's just just wrist motion, flip it here, flip it there. It doesn't matter if they're doing the normal flip, if they're doing this wild backhand stuff and roll cast and all. I mean, it's just quick, easy, boom, 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 boom. Just so I can understand how trying to learn it in a smaller space can really be beneficial. You just got to make sure that the wife is okay with you throwing jigs around the house. Yeah, and if you got cats, cut the hook off. <laughs> or dogs. Yeah, dogs you do. Yeah, I mean, maybe it depends on the dog, but they're a little less interested. But cats are, they'll go nuts. Um, uh, or not. I'm not a big fan of cats. You can leave the hook in. <laughs> okay yeah me too yeah yeah i'm a dog guy not a cat guy do you, uh have you done any on your youtube channel have you done any like casting i haven't stuff but like i that? think you don't necessarily have to i mean you can search videos but i think if you just even watch some of my videos you'll see or any like watch any pros or anybody that does like you'll see what i'm talking about you'll see it's in what you were talking it's very compact they keep their arms in it's wrists it's it's small movements um I would say that as you get the basic pitch and flip, the next easiest cast to learn is more of a sidearm, like a two-handed sidearm. Before you start going full overhead launching stuff with a bait caster, going sidearm is much more manageable. It's much easier to manage, uh, less risk of backlash. Um, and that's going to give you a more quiet presentation before you start going overhead bomb cast. So I would say start in front of you and to the side of you before you start going full-on overhead casting as you progress in bait casting. Yeah, and that's another thing. I'm 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 glad you you mentioned that a quieter presentation, and that means you're not throwing it out there, and that 
jigs hitting the water and making a big splash. Because a lot of times, I mean, we're up shallow, clear water. You don't want that thing to go in there and cannonball. You want it to go in nice and easy and just settle in. So that's another thing to work. Most of the time. Well, there's sometimes you want to wake them up, but a lot, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just say there's times you want to wake them up and there's times you want to keep it nice and quiet. So that's another thing is to work on stopping that bait and and getting that bait to just uh, quietly hit the, you know, if you're in your yard or wherever, hit the ground, you know, not just throw it out there and whip it up five feet and let it bang down. So. Yep. Yeah, especially if, if, if you live in the northern half of the country in the natural lakes where it's mostly clear water more often than not, a quieter presentation is going to pay you bigger dividends, especially fishing five feet and less. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, and this is where we can move next, is where we're looking for, you know, where we're fishing a jig. And it's kind of everywhere. So it's docks, it's down trees, it's this and that and the other. But what are some things that you go out and you're looking for shallow where you're like, that's a jig spot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you already have confidence in throwing soft plastics, anywhere you would throw soft plastics is a good place to try a jig. Um, it's good around cover. It's good around wood. It's good around docks. Um, it's not really great if you've got that mossy bottom where you get that really like stringy grass and things like that. So as long as you have like crisper vegetation, stuff that you can kind of snap it through or work it through. When you start to get that slimy, clingy vegetation, there are better options. That's when it's probably better to throw a drop shot or a weightless bait um, or something with a real light. Um, but there's really no bad spot to throw a jig. I mean, you can throw it on rocks. You can throw it on wood. You can throw it in a foot of water around pads. You can back out in 10, 12, 15 feet of water and throw it on that coontail edge, that cabbage edge, that milfoil edge. Um, you can bump up your jigs and go to three quarter and one ounce jigs and pitch it into the mill foil. Um, there's really no bad way to do it. I would say uh, sometimes there is a mental block to fish in a jig. You may have a lot of confidence in a Texas rig beaver or a creature or a tube. And when you pick up a jig, it will just feel unnatural and your confidence will go down. Um, you're just going to have to go out and find a lake or a place where you feel like the fish are, where you've caught them on creature baits or you've caught them on senkos before and throw that jig in there and get a few bites. You get a few bites, that's going to change everything for you. And then it's going to make sense but until you get a few bites. And uh, the one thing good about a jig is like, you can swim it like a spinnerbait. You don't need a swim jig. You can swim a flipping jig. You can, you can pump it. You can drag it. You can uh, let it, you can dead stick it. You can just crawl it and count every single pebble. Um, it's, it's very versatile in that respect. Um, but in, in, in the most part, I mean, like if you find really thick grass and really thick cover um, for your average jig and your average person, you're probably going to find a Texas rig to be a little better. So you probably want sparse to moderately heavy cover. Um, when you get in super thick mats and super things like that, that's where sometimes a Texas rig is going to be a little more efficient. It's going to swim through those weeds. It's going to do a little better unless you really have the right setup and the right grass jig. Um, you know, you're going to find to be more successful with a Texas rig in some of those applications. Okay. Is there anything that you would uh, tell people not to do with a jig or some things to stay away from when they're fishing jigs or any mistakes, real bad mistakes you see people doing when they're fishing jigs? Not that there's, really it's such a versatile bait not too much i mean 
don't get too locked in on what worked before some like let the fish tell you what they want if 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 you're getting like if you're pitching into cover and you're swimming it back and you're noticing fish following your bait or hitting it as you swim it back think about swimming the jig <laughs> um if you're uh you know sometimes you want to work it faster sometimes they want it hop sometimes so i would say bury your retrieve until you get a few bites let the fish tell you what they want um other than that um you know if you're not getting a lot of bites sometimes mix in a soft plastic sometimes they just want a so sometimes soft plastics will get more bites than jigs so um but there are times when the jigs is going to get you a better quality bite and if they're eaten the jig is the way to go you're going to catch more fish throughout the day um i would say the biggest thing on jigs is people like not matching the jig and their setup like we talked about before that's probably the biggest thing you can get in trouble. A, you get a big hack attack jig or a no jack jig, and you try to throw that on 10 pound floral, you're probably going to hook very few fish. And likewise, if you're trying to throw a little finesse jig on 65 pound braid, you're going to lose a lot of fish. So matching your equipment, let the fish tell what you want, um, experiment, uh, you know, rather than just give up on a jig, try a different trailer, try a, a trailer with more action, try a trailer with less action, try a little different, you know, instead of, you can do a lot of experimenting with a jig without retying and wholesaling it out. Um, right. Right. Now when it comes to, to jigs and trailers, do you typically start out matching the two? Um, I keep it as far as color wise, or do you mix it up or just kind of grab whatever and throw it on there and see what happens? Pretty simple. I mean, I most 90% of the time I have a, a, what I call an Oki craw color. Uh, which is black, blue, and green pumpkin mix. So it's got three skirt colors. Um, and that's when I have a little bit of color in my water. Um, and then if, if it's a little bit of color water, I'll put a green pumpkin trailer on it of some kind, usually some kind of green pumpkin with some kind of fleck in it. Um, if there's a lot of bluegills around, uh, I'll tend to tip the pinchers or the claws of my trailer and a little bit of chartreuse spike it. Um, if the water's darker, then I'll go to more of a black or a black and blue trailer. So like within that range, uh, I can change how much contrast or silhouette my bait's giving out just by going to a darker trailer. In cleaner water, I have a, 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 a green pumpkin round mixed jig, which is just a little bit lighter. And then there I'll start with a green pumpkin trailer. And if it's super clear water, I'll dial it back to maybe something more like a watermelon, a little bit lighter trailer. So that's kind of like, I keep it pretty basic. Um, I mean, I do have swim jigs and get into whites and things like that, but for the most part, I got like two jigs and a handful of trailers. Uh, and I just kind of teeter what's going on based on, uh, the, 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 is it cloudy, the color of the water, is there much wave action and like how contrasted and stark do I need it to get the fish's attention? So, right. So I've got like basically a, a small variation of colors and actions and weights that I can go more intense and more aggressive if it's darker water, darker day, windy. And then I can dial it back. If we've got clear water over, you know, bright skies, zero wind, uh, high pressure, going to go smaller, lighter colors, et cetera. You know, quieter, quieter, uh, finessier trailer. Yeah. I, I saw a video from, uh, I think it was G man about two years ago. And he's like black, black jigs, you know, black and blue jigs, brown and green jigs, black and blue trailers, brown and green trailers, 
match them up. If one's not biting, go to the other one. And if you want to get really crazy, take the trailers and mix and mix and match them. Go a black and blue trailer on a brown jig and a brown trailer on a blue on a black jig. So just keep it simple. And there's plenty of different options. And if they're not biting on that, then break out the wacky rig and chuck it under a dock. <laughs> and I'm throwing that last part in myself. But. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, like I, I, you can watch some of my tournament videos, and uh, there was some days like state tournament. I was catching a lot of fish on jigs. The first day it got really tough, and I had to downsize to a four-inch uh, general on a wacky rig the second day to get bit. So let the fish tell you, right? Like if, if you're getting a lot of short strikes on a jig, you're not hooking up. Switch to a soft plastic. That means they're they're probably not eating it. Like there's something going on. Or go to a finessier jig. Go to a shorter trailer. Go to a lighter jig. To start downsizing your jig or switch to a, a plastic if you're getting a lot of short strikes. Two things, um, talking about the jig itself and shortening things up. How short do you do you trim your skirts at all, and how short? And then also the 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 hook guard, the weed guard. Do you shorten that up at all, and, and if so, how much? I typically don't mess with the weed guard. Uh, I mean, the jigs I use Bass Tech jigs, which is a company that <laughs> that I own, um, so they come the way I want them for the most part. Um, I don't spend a lot, even on jigs that I, other than that, I don't spend, I'd rather like fan the jig out and like just kind of spread the weed guard or kind of like soften it up by the kind of mushing with my finger, or kind of spreading it a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, you can trim it a little bit. If you're going to trim it, actually trim the top strands back closer to the head. If you think about it, if you're sh a shorter weed guard, if you don't take strands out, it's still this, it's actually getting stiffer. If that makes sense. Like you're still got all the same and you have less. So um, it, plucking them out doesn't typically work because they tend to all start to come out. So trim the top ones off if you feel like it's too stiff or you're having trouble getting a hook, uh, and just take a couple out of time, go moderation. But I typically just kind of try to V them or fan them out and soften them up a little bit. Sometimes there's a little bit of paint or glue, you just need to break that a little bit, and that'll just kind of soften things up. As far as the skirt length, I think just you know, quarter three eighths inch below the hook is a good general length. Um, there are times you want more, there are times you want less, but that's a good general starting place. And then when you thread your trailer on, you typically don't want, to me, you don't want the skirt interfering with the action of the claws or the kickers, right? If the, if, if underwater, when the skirt pulls against it, if it's matting into your trailer, that's going to fight the action of your, your trailer. So always trim it back a little bit above where the action part of your craw or, or whatever you're throwing on the back. That's good advice right there. Yeah. I've always, people are always telling me, yeah, shorten up your skirts. And I'm like, okay, I just shorten them up for whatever reason, but nobody's ever said why. Well, I, I can understand now, Hey, it's messing with the bait behind it and it's not letting that do what it naturally wants to do. So that's. There are times you want a big bulky trailer. I mean, the, the more skirt you have, the bigger presentation you have, the more mass it has. Um, so there are times when you're fishing for big fish in the fall and you want to offer a big meat and you have a big trailer, you might want more skirt. And there are times when it's clear water and finessey and tougher, you might want to trim it back even more and have a less intrusive offering to the fish. <clears throat> and don't be afraid to trim your skirts because you can go buy just the skirt. You don't have to go buy the whole jig. So <laughs> you can go buy them separate in all sorts of different colors. Awesome. Well, are there any other final thoughts you have on jig fishing that we didn't cover that you, th you think we need to cover here in this, uh, in the bass, bass jig basics episode? What? 
Uh, I so think. I, does the kit in the background have any? Uh, have no. Any added, uh... they, they like riding in the boat and swimming. They don't. Uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> I would say uh, just give it a whirl. Be patient. Get some bites. Build confidence, and uh, it's it's a tool you definitely want in your box. Uh, <clears throat> and don't be afraid to experiment. Make it your own. Uh, don't. There are no hard and fast rules. Uh, that's true for any kind of fishing. Uh, let the fish tell you what you want. Observe what's going on in your lake. What are the, what's the forge doing? What are the fish doing? Um, try it on weed lines. Try it shallow. Try it around cover. Um, just give it a whirl. It's a it's a fun way to catch them. I always say hashtag hashtag jigs for pigs. Jigs for <laughs> love it. I like that. I'm gonna put the maybe I'll make that the uh, the uh, title of this one. Jigs for pigs. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a super fun way to fish. It's it's kind of like hand to hand combat. It's almost like you're more connected to that than even if you're like Texas rigging or wacky rigging mm-hmm. or anything. It's just a, a it feels like you're connected to that fish a little more. And let's just say, it, Doug, it's the manly way to catch them. Yeah, there we go. We can go with that too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, and the, the the one piece of advice I'll give people, just like anything, you're not good at. As far as different baits or techniques, just go out fishing with only that in your boat and just use that. That's it. Don't bring anything else with because you'll get better if you just use that for a day. It works. Yeah. And if if you guys have any questions, uh, if there's something we didn't cover, there's something we missed, you can look me up, Hellabass, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, drop me a comment, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help. I'm always, you know, helping. I want people to catch more fish and enjoy the outdoors. So slide into my DMs. I'm happy to answer questions. Perfect. I was just going to tell you to to give them all the info. Do you do any guiding at all? I don't. I really just, uh, the time I have is kind of for me and for tournaments and things like that in the water. So I got a good job and it doesn't really pay to uh, take those PTO days for, <laughs> but I've done it. I love to teach fish. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't officially do any kind of guiding. Okay, cool. Well, and because I'm a nice guy, go ahead and pimp out the old Bass Tech Jigs uh, bait company you got there. Yeah, if you if if you already like the jigs and you want to like step up your game, uh, Bass Tech B A S S T E K, and it's also tungstenjigs.com. You can also find them on Tackle Warehouse. Um, they're a tungsten jig, which gives you a, a smaller uh, head size. It's going to help you come through cover. It's going to increase the sensitivity of your jig. Uh, we've got good colors. They're hand tied skirts underneath the rubber collar where you can still add rattles. Um, they got a really solid, <clears throat> slightly larger than average hook. Um, uh, must add sharp hooks. Uh, I like the must add hooks because they're strong. They're good hooks. They're easy to sharpen. So like uh, one thing is like you could have a really fancy like trocar or a, a chemically sharpened or me- mechanically sharpened hook. Uh, that's not really easy to resharpen. So if you if you wrap that around a dock post or rock and you bend it over, you can't really fix that hook. And you attach that to a tungsten jig that's already expensive. Uh, it's nice to be able to resharpen it. <laughs> so that's the the logic there. Um, so yeah, uh, there uh, we have a bunch of uh, tungsten football heads, shaky heads, Ned heads, uh, all kinds of things. So if you live in places where lead is banned, or you just want to be a little more environmentally friendly, or you're looking for a premium product that increases your sensitivity and feel for bottom contact baits yeah check us out uh tungstenjigs.com where we got all that stuff on tackle warehouse as well awesome awesome well you're welcome sir for that one just because you're such a nice guy yeah. for coming on and then uh make sure you go to uh isol power and yes ISIL, <laughs> well that's a different show but anyway isolpower.com smackdown 10 blah 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 anywho 
All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, Rich, for joining me on the show here. I do appreciate it. And like I said, we'll have to do another episode or two or three or four, however many times. You want to talk, let me know, and we'll do episodes on all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I I have uh, no shortage uh, of – I love to talk fishing and I, and I guess this plug, I do stream on YouTube Wednesday nights, seven thirty central. So I do a lot of long forum topics. So if you like this type of content where you like listening to about fishing for an hours at a time, uh, I do that and you can interact and you can read the comments much like you do on the snack door out podcast. So if that's your jam and you like doing that and you want to learn more about bass fishing, we cover all kinds of things. Um, have an audio version of that podcast as well, which we can find some links. Um, so, and like I said, you you can send me a DM. You can ask me about anything bass fishing. Uh, it doesn't have to be just jigs. Uh, trust me, I've, I've thrown it. I've, I've done it. <laughs> I've, I've got uh, 30, 40 rods. I've got a, a boat full of tackle. I've got uh, probably just as much tackle as your average uh, Gander Mountain or Capper's Outdoors in my garage. So, um, yep. Between between you and Brian Reesgraf, we have enough tackle to start our own shop. So Brian's minor leagues. I'll just tell you that right now. Ooh, shots fired. (laughs) And with that being said, all right, well, thank you very much, Rich, and thank you all out there for listening to the podcast. Please send us any feedback, questions, or topic ideas to makefishfamous at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages, and don't forget to subscribe. And please, please, please tell a friend. Spread the word of the show. Until next time, remember to introduce a kid to fishing, and as always, practice sustainable harvest. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.